After finding the remains of 215 children at the former Kamloops Indian Residential School, Touchline Thoughts would like to take a few moments to acknowledge the land we are on. We pass on our deepest respect and love to the lost children and their families, as well as the Indigenous, First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples who through the history of Canada have undeservingly lost their lands and lost their voices in our country. As we record this podcast, guests and ourselves reside in three major cities in Ontario. We acknowledge each one of them now. We would like to acknowledge the land on which we gather and which the region of Peel operates is part of the treaty lands and territory of the Mississaugas of the Credit. For thousands of years, Indigenous peoples inhabited and cared for this land. In particular, we acknowledge the territory of the Anishinaabek, the Huron-Wendat, Haudenosaunee, the Ojibwe, Chippewa peoples, the land that is home to the Métis, and most recently, the territory of the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation, who are direct descendants of the Mississaugas of the Credit. We are grateful to have the opportunity to work on this land, and by doing so, give our respect to its first inhabitants. We acknowledge the land on which the City of Toronto resides as a traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by the Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. In Ottawa, we acknowledge that we are standing on unceded Algonquin, Anishinaabek territory. They are the past and present caretakers of the waterways and the land that we call Ottawa. We are grateful to have the opportunity to be present in this territory. Now, over to your new Touchline Thoughts episode. Welcome back to Touchline Thoughts, powered by the Garage Door Sports Network. This is episode 30, and I'm Irfan Manji. Unfortunately, Paige cannot join us today. Um, she is packing and getting ready to come back to her parents' house, where we will be in the same time zone, so we won't be able, we'll be actually able to um, have shows more frequently at the right time and not have to worry about her midnight and my midnight and all that fun stuff. Um, in today's episode, we're going to cover the NWSL and Arsenal, the men's side and the women's side. Uh, and my guest, who I will introduce right after a bit of music, you know her, you've heard of her, she's wonderful, but we'll, we'll bring her in shortly. they go places you know but they remember those people they remember the people who are in their corner from the start so yeah we'll always be in your corner for sure even if you're an arsenal fan we'll still be in your corner forever um why don't we get right into it so today's starting 11 is brought to us by shenzi shack don't forget to give the shack and chef sab a follow on instagram as we bring you cuisines from around the world they deliver and are available for pickup in the vancouver area now, when we were talking earlier this week, we've had a few soccer conversations, but I think this one stuck the most, and I know you wanted to talk about it, so why don't we start right there? We'll go NWSL. The season started a couple of weeks ago. It's a fresh season. Um, it's going to be a full season, fingers crossed, uh, barring any, any 
another interruption, but um, what do you make of the, the expansion team sort of coming into the NWSL this season? I like the direction they're going in. I think it's hard, you know, they've only played four games, so it's really hard to be able to tell what a team can do in four games. Um, and the hard part, I think, about an expansion team in any circumstance, I mean, obviously there's outliers. You look at the Vegas Golden Knights and they were like the team of all expansion teams their first year. Yep. But for the most part, in a normal expansion team, um, you know, you don't really have that cohesion at first. You're taking players from a lot of different teams, you know, people who are being drafted new to the team, people who played in, you know, Houston or Portland or whatever for years and now they're coming to this team so as much as they are experienced and good players and then obviously new players who have never played in the league but it's hard to find that cohesion I think sometimes especially only in four games I know they had the challenge cup before this but even still like it's it's kind of hard to find that chemistry when you're a very new and like younger team mm -hmm. I do like what I'm seeing from both of them I mean I love the Kansas City expansion for many reasons. First of all, I love that it's got a lot of female ownership. Yep. Second off, I love that there are four Canadians on the team, three from Toronto. So that's amazing. Both Victoria Pickett and Jordan Lee Stroh um, from Toronto got named to the Canada Friendlies team, which is amazing. And then um, they have Desiree Scott and then Diana Matheson, who's obviously her right now, but like they have all those players. Uh, Racing Louisville, first off, I want to say I am obsessed with their kits. Their like floral kits are like the most beautiful ones I've seen. And they've done super well regarding like all of their socials and everything like that. And I really love like who they just embody as a club to begin with. Again, they only have one win. Like they're, they've only played three games actually, but mm -hmm. they only have one win, one loss, one tie. And, you know, it's, it's going to be hard, but even, you know, you've got teams like Gotham FC who've made a lot of moves. They moved their club, you know, rebranded got everything that happened with the Utah Royals moving. Um, mm -hmm. Like there's, there's been a lot this season. There's been a lot of change this season, which is good. I mean, change is always good. Mm -hmm. um, you see, you know, last year you had the Houston Dash win the challenge cup this year. You've got the Portland Thorns. Like, you know, it's not like the same consistent teams are winning the same thing. It's getting boring. It's like, okay, what's the point of watching this? Like mm -hmm. really like the way that the league is going with a, the expansion, because obviously more teams more opportunity to play is amazing, especially domestically, because we know even personally, like we both know amazing soccer players who had to go overseas because there wasn't opportunity available in the NWSL because yeah. there's only 10 teams. Like it's, it's like the same with the WNBA when there's only 144 roster spots. Like, what do you, what do you need to do? You have yeah. to go overseas. You don't have an option. Um, I love, love, love moving a bit from expansion. I love that the Orlando Pride are like so fun to watch and so good. And I mean, they should be good. You have Ashlyn Harris, you have Ali Krieger, you have Sydney LaRue, Alex Morgan. Like you, you should be good. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, who, who's going to win without them? And I get that obviously during the Challenge Cup, like Morgan was coming up from Tottenham. And I know, um, I, was it Krieger was coming back from injury or Harris, one of them? One of them was injured, but they're like, you know, now that they are like healthy, full strength, all their players on, like nobody's going to beat them. They literally are 3-0-1. The fact mm -hmm. that they have a tie is shocking to me. Um, they're super fun to watch. I also love seeing like Washington do well. Mm -hmm. I love that they, you know, they drafted a lot of rookies this season. They signed, I think, all four rookies they drafted, which is nice because they have a younger squad that's, you know, coming to and winning. And that's the thing, you know, you have the 
Alex Morgans, you have the Sydney LaRue's who have been great and will continue to be great through their whole career, but there's got to be another generation. Mm-hmm. And I think Washington is kind of the start of that showing like, hey, look, we have all these young players and they're amazing and they're going to be the next generation of USA soccer, which is great to watch. But yeah, it's been yeah. super fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, the season's only been on for like two weeks now, so <laughs> there hasn't been a ton of soccer, but like, I just love... I love that a they're making it super accessible on Twitch, um, which is amazing because if you can't watch it, obviously, like you're not going to. They have it on like Paramount Plus, which I don't think we can get in Canada. So the fact that they have it on Twitch is amazing. Um, I love obviously the expanding. I love seeing you know teams, and I love that you know this is an Olympic year too. So you're seeing a lot of people who wouldn't have gotten a chance maybe if there weren't these expansions, if there weren't these spots to be able to come and then make friendly rosters and potentially make Olympic squads. So I think there's just been like so much good coming from this season and it's, you know, only been on for two weeks, but like, they're just, yeah, I've, I've loved what I've seen so far, especially from the young players. Like they, uh, yeah. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get onto the young players and I guess you're the stars to look out for, but I like how you mentioned that we've expanded the league and that's bringing in players and creating more roster spots. I mean, you go from, eight teams to 10 or you go from seven teams to 10 in a span of a couple of years. That's a lot of players that can come into the system who can go from college into the game or, you know, you're not losing players to Europe or nor, uh, other parts of North America, or you're not, you're keeping the stars that you want in your league. And I think the fact that they're expanding shows that this league is like, we're one of the best in the world and they are with the talent that they have. Um, but now we don't have to see our stars having to go off somewhere else to play or play half a season somewhere and then come back because our seasons are not lining up or we haven't had a proper season, albeit because of COVID, but we haven't had that, but it's so nice to see the talent and the fact that every game's competitive. Like you even look at Kansas city sitting at the bottom, they didn't play poorly against Orlando and it was a, a one, nothing game in terms of the pride winning, but like it wasn't bad soccer. And I think that's what, I think fans need to start tuning into and realizing that you're watching good competition. Even if it's a rebuilding team, I think, or a brand new team, they have stars that have been playing professional for years. They understand the game. It's going to be a good game. And yes, when you have an Alex Morgan or a Marta on your team, for example, you're going to be better than everyone else, but there's still going to be a lot of competition. And I think four games is such a small sample size. Like you look at the rain right now, who've played three games and they're, they're one, one, and one like that. That's so early in the season um, to even be looking at that. Cause they're bringing in players from Lyon. They're bringing in players coming back from the FAWSL uh, Roosevelt. So you're looking at like, they're, they're going to be fine. And, and I think like, this is so good to see early on that who co- sort of starts to, to fill into the spots. And is it going to stay that way? Probably not, but um, you're looking at d- different defending champions all within you know, a couple of points of each other. And I think that's, that's huge for the league. Huge. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I completely agree with you. Like I said, it's super early and these are going to, I mean, I still think Orlando is going to stay at the top just because of how much star power they have. Like they really should be winning the league. Um, But like you said, everything else is going to change. Even like a, a team like Portland, you know, they, they had kind of a rough season at the end of the season last year. And then now they're literally challenge cup champions and they're doing super well. And again, so, you know, they bring in new young talent they have, you know, they make some roster moves. They've got Crystal Dunn on their team now. Like they've, you know, they've made some progress and, you know, they're coming for a team like Orlando. When you have Christine Sinclair on your team, you know, she's one of the best too, as much as she's not a 
U.S. Women's National Team member. She's she's coming, and she uh, is going to make a difference for that team. So I'm super excited to see what comes from it. Yes, it is still super early, but even in the four games each team has played, it's been, like you said, really good soccer. And that, I think that's the thing, too. It's like, you know, it's literally a one nothing decision, and it's such a good game, and somebody gets a lucky goal. And it's like, yes, in the like win-loss column, you have a loss, but realistically, like, you make progress in the game, you create chances, you make take good the positives, practice. take all the positives, especially if you're a brand new organization. Exactly. So I love what I've seen from both of the expansion teams. And obviously I love what I see from, you know, the, the stars. And, and I think that's a big part too, is that you have these stars on teams who can bring up that next generation. You get drafted to a team like Portland and you're like, okay, I'm under the wing of Christine Sinclair. I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You get drafted to Orlando. I'm under the wing of like eight different, U.S. Women's National Team stars in Marta, like, I'll be okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I really have been enjoying what I've been seeing this season. For sure. What do you make of the fact, that I'm just going to sidetrack a little bit here, um, the Olympics are coming up soon. Um, how is that going to affect some of the teams that have, you know, stars galore? Um, are we going to see, like, the, the the table sort of balance out a little bit and, and like, the bottom teams are going to have an opportunity to sort of catch up to the leaders of the of the the, the the league i mean i think so because think like you look at a team like orlando they're literally losing how many players to a u.s women's national team uh even a team like you know i think of like washington it's like okay you have some u.s women's national team stars but you still have people like your goalie backup sydney schneider who plays for the jamaican women's national team yeah like you have you have people they're not just playing for u.s and canada there's there's a lot of players who play from jamaica they play from yeah. Australia like there's a lot of international talent too so I think it will give a chance especially those super star heavy teams Um, I'm not sure what their their like protocol is in terms of like an Olympic break or not Um, but I was just looking at the schedule and it doesn't look like there's any real two-week or three-week break anywhere Um, it's just there's a match every week essentially so I'm just you know curious to see if that's going to impact them and and maybe that's a a pitfall of having to play a summer competition or a summer season um obviously we can't play in the winter in north america because of our our snow but like does this become a pitfall where you know when you have teams kind of depleted or don't have that that same sort of power that they did when they start the season because of the olympics or because of the euros or or world cup for example then like is that harming the nwsl is that why certain players decide to leave um, come off season or is it, it just doesn't make a difference because there's enough talent and enough depth on these teams that. I mean, I think you would obviously like to think there's enough depth and talent. And also I think it's honestly good in a sense that stars are going to leave and that other people are going to get more playing time mm-hmm. because you know, that's the problem. Um, not the problem, but a problem in the sport is that, you know, you can only have so many subs. Usually you're not going on. Sometimes you're not going on to like the 84th minute and it's like, okay, what real difference am I going to make in like 10 minutes? And obviously sometimes you can, but also sometimes you don't get that chance. I think that's a problem with a lot of players is they'll get drafted somewhere or they'll sign a contract for a team and then they won't get the opportunity to make a difference. And then they get released and it's like, well, I didn't really have a chance. Mm -hmm. So the Olympic break, when you have, a lot of star players who are playing, you know, up to 90 minutes a game uh, going off and you're coming in now, they will get those chances. And obviously, you know, you're going to have people, if the pride lose, you know, three or four games in that time frame, I don't think they're going to take it to heart knowing that half their squad 
is going to play for the Olympics. But yeah. also, I think I think it's good that you're going to get other players. And that's the thing, too. I think there's people who they follow college soccer and they see a player and they love her and they want to watch her and she's just not getting the opportunity. So being able to have those two, three weeks where they'll get to see her get a lot of playing time mm-hmm. is good for the league. And again, it's good for growth as well because yeah. you're going to see other players who never usually get an opportunity. And it's, then you can make an actual judgment like, yes, this player was a good signing or, oh, no, not sure if we should have drafted them, yada, yada. But I think exactly. I, don't, I don't think it's super harmful to the sport because it just gives opportunities for other people that they wouldn't have regularly. And I think that's always a good thing because I wish, you know, we've seen it time and time again, players who get released and then have to go play in Europe because they never got a fair shot. Mm-hmm. So I, I personally think it's a good thing. That oh, they- yeah, I was just, just very curious to see that, that sort of mindset in the league when, you know, if you're losing players because they're not playing, how do you balance that? But they get that showcase for a week or two when the players go away and it's like okay this is our academy this is what we have this is what we've built i haven't been warming a bench for nothing like i can play on the field so and then mind you these are all professional players um so i don't think anyone's a poor player it's just you need the feet under you to get some game time and i think this might be a a chance to get it i was just curious to see if that impacts let's say the pride or the thorns when they lose a couple of their their main players no, for sure. I, I completely agree with what you're saying, but I think I definitely think it's a good thing to be able to have people get more opportunity during the Olympic break. For sure. Um, you mentioned one specific name when we were talking, actually two specific names about um, the star talent that's just shining right now. Um, do you want to start with the first one, Mel Pig? Yeah, so obviously Gotham FC, aka Sky Blue FC, aka they have like six different names. It's so funny. Um, they're doing, you know, really well. They made it to the Challenge Cup final, which is awesome because Sky Blue had a bit of a rough year last year. Um, but yeah, Malpew has been such a good signing for them. Um, I love what they're doing. Obviously, again, it's super early in the season. So to just say that they, you know, because they're in the bottom half, that they're not doing well, that's whatever. But yeah, she, she's she been wonderful. And I think that they're super fun to watch. I mean, I, I'm a little bit biased towards Gotham FC. I really like them because they have a female head coach mm-hmm. in Freya Coombe. They have female ownership in Elise LeHue. So I just like, I love Gotham FC regardless. Um, but yeah, she, um, she's been a really good signing for them. Um, oh my God, no, I'm, who am I thinking of? I'm thinking of Mitch Purse. Oh my God, Mal Pew plays for Chicago, doesn't she? <laughs> I'm That's so okay. I've literally been thinking of the wrong player this whole time. Um, okay, yes, my apologies. You could have just stopped me and said, No, it's you- okay. You were, you were going on it and it was praising the player. That's fine. Uh, you, to, I was to the Mitch listener, Purse the entire time. Oh my God. Okay. No, to the- to be fair to myself, they literally have the same initials MP. And that's oh, why that's I- fair. That's fair. The <laughs> listeners, um, Haley did text me the right team <laughs> and the right player. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, continue. Yes. We'll, we'll finish with uh, the Gotham player and then let's okay, move on let's to. Keep talking about Mitch first then. Oh yes, my God. there you go. I'm, look how red I am. I'm literally. <laughs> it's I'm okay. I'm so sorry. That's okay. That's okay. It's just so funny though, because I literally was going on like a tangent about how much i love her and i was thinking of the wrong i mean like in my head i was talking about the right player the entire time okay i I got you (laughs) okay give me a second to collect myself that's okay early season folks this is this is okay there's a lot of great players with the same initials sorry it's okay it happens (laughs) i just i wow I, i mean like 
I still stand by everything about Midge Purse. I think she's wonderful. And she got named to the U.S. women's team, national team for the friendlies as well. Um, but for Mal, okay, yes. Go back to Chicago. Chicago is actually a team that I, when I first got into the NWSL, I kind of was drawn towards because they had um, players like Julie Arts um, and Kelia Watt. And I really liked them. Obviously, it's Casey Short. So I was super big on Chicago. Um, but yeah, Mal Pugh has definitely been one of the top names in the league right now for good reason. Um, mm. I think Chicago is another team who it's hard to say that they struggle to find cohesion because they do have a lot of returning players. And I think they should be potentially slightly better than they are right now. Um, they have Mackenzie Doniak, who is like 27. She's great. Um, she's like their leading scorer, I believe. Uh, I, I like what I see from Chicago right now. I think they could be better considering they're in what eighth right now. Yep. Uh, I think, I think they're definitely a bit better than their one, two and one record. How much of are. that? How much of that though is the fact that Julie Ertz is hurt with an MCL sprain? Like, how well, that's, much? Is... That's the thing too, right? And yeah. like, um, I mean, kind of going back to the point before about uh, other players getting more playing time. Like I said, if the Orlando Pride lose four games in the Olympic break because they're missing their players, they're not gonna, you know, think much of it. And I think that's Chicago right now. Um, of course, you want to win a championship, and it shouldn't be down to one player. You would want to think you have that bench depth to mm-hmm. be able to. Um, you know, make up for that. But uh, I do think obviously Erks is going to make a huge difference. Uh, but I do like what I'm seeing from a lot of them, including Mal, um, even though she plays for the Chicago Red Stars and not Gotham FC. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, um, I think she's spectacular. Uh, she's obviously had a bunch of setbacks in her career also. So to see her thriving uh, in scoring, she scored, uh, a big goal, I think, against the rain a few weeks ago. Um, she she hadn't scored for like two years, I think, or something mm-hmm. before that, which like that's hard on your confidence, obviously. It is. Like, like it's and like we were talking about during the Champions League live stream. It's like you can still be a good player, but like on the stats sheet, like basically if you're not like scoring or whatever, like people are gonna think like, oh, and, and I think that's a huge old, whole other conversation about whether you know the eye test versus like statistics. But like mm-hmm. when you when you are playing soccer, like if you're not scoring goals, you're really, you know. And you're a striker, yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially that. I mean, even too, like now we're in the days now where it's like, okay, you're even a left back, but also you're expected to assist and make crosses and mm-hmm. score goals. But yeah, especially as a striker, and it's like I think a lot of people might have questioned, especially going to a team like Chicago that does have a lot of that star power. Um, you know, I think some people questioned why are you know why why is she playing on a team when you could have somebody else who could compliment other players, you mm-hmm. know, like, or it's like what, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, but yeah, I think she's obviously proved that she, I think a lot of it is also mental. Like she probably got in her head that 2020, and I mean, 2020 was 2020. Like we yeah. know, we know what 2020 was, but for her, she probably thinks, Oh my God, you know, gets traded to the red stars after getting traded from Washington to Gotham FC. So she's literally played on like three teams in three years. And then she doesn't score at all during her time with Gotham FC. And again, they had a kind of rough season last year, and I think they're doing a lot better this year. Um, I think not to <laughs> – I was wrong, but I think that's why in my head I had Malpe because she did play for Gotham FC, but then I was talking about Mitch first. So just for the listeners, I promise I'm not stupid. Um, oh, just, no, no. Just, I'm still so embarrassed about it. But yeah, like, <laughs> that's, that's 
that's hard. Like playing for three teams in three seasons. Again, you talk about the cohesion, no matter how good of a player you are, like if you're not connecting with your teammates, it's hard. And then Gotham FC had a really hard like bubble season. And then she gets traded again to the red stars in December mm-hmm. of 2020 that are yep. a really good team. And it's like, you're going to be expected to perform on that team. You know, Chicago for sure didn't have the result they wanted in 2020. So they're only trying to get better. And obviously they see something in her and that's paid off for her. And I think that's a huge part of the mental game too, is that knowing people have confidence in you. Yeah. So for Mal, Chicago saying, you know what, even after that season, like we see something in you and we, we want you on our team for a mm-hmm. reason. And for her to come out and score and then, you know, kind of get that money off her back. Like yeah. I feel that was really, really good for her. So I like her on Chicago. I like Chicago in general. Like I said, like I still don't really have an NWSL team just because I feel like I'm so torn because there's like so much talent and so many players mm-hmm. that I grew You're up just a fan of the league, right? I am. And the, yeah. I, I really am. So, but I, I do like Chicago. Again, I think there's, it's so early, but I think there's still a lot better than their record mm-hmm. is showing. And I really think that Mal was a great trade um, and it's really paid off. And like you said, they will only get better when they get Julia Ritz back. But yeah, yeah, I really love what I'm seeing from Mal. And I love what I'm seeing from Mitch Purse too. So I'll just throw that in there. Yeah, I think what, what you mentioned and so important for athletes listening as well is that confidence. Like you can lose your confidence, but you can gain it back the minute someone has the, the belief that you can do something. And I think you look at Timo Werner in the, in the Champions League final there, his team believes in him. Whether he scores or not, they have full he has full credit. He has full support from Thomas Tuchel and staff um, to actually do something. So he, he's there to create chances. He's there to spread the play out. He'll get the goals. Just like any player in the league right now that didn't have a good couple of seasons and obviously 2020 being what it is. But if your team believes in you and your staff says to you or the management says to you, hey, we're bringing you on because we know the talent exists. I think you do 125 million percent better because you believe in yourself at that point. Um so whether or not they score goals, if they're in and they're active, I think people watch it and they think uh, management goes, there you go. This is why we brought you in. And sometimes it doesn't work. And, um, you know, you I'll give an example of Mario Mandzukic, uh, who went over to AC Milan and six months didn't, didn't work for him, but that just didn't work for one team. He'll go to another team and it'll be fine. And then so these players are so good and they're such professionals. I think if they move around to another team, they'll find their game. Um, and that's what we're seeing with with the examples that you've mentioned already. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point, we had the conversation the other day about Alexis Sanchez, who was really good at Arsenal, showed at United, and now he's doing okay at Inter. But again, it's just you know finding finding your rhythm. And of course, if you have you know management, because I think that's a big thing too. It's like yes, you have to vibe with your teammates, but also if you know you don't vibe with the coaching or the management, then you're not going to want to succeed. Also, and that's I think a big part of it. So I really like what um, we're seeing from Mal in Chicago. I think she's got her confidence back. And of course, you want that in any player. I don't want any player to ever fail. I would like them all no. to succeed. Yeah. But after the season she had last year, and again, it was super hard. Like the NWSL was the first professional league to come back. Like they basically were like, "Okay, we're we're doing this. Let's go. Let's get the challenge cup." Yeah. Like she was just on a new team after getting traded from Washington. That team, you know, it didn't go as planned. Got traded again, and then I think she's finally, you know, comfortable. And I I love that. So. I like what I'm seeing from her. Agreed. Uh, there was another player on your list that um, I think you texted me as well was Desira King, uh, yeah. striker for the OL Reign. Um, what do you like about her this season? She is, you know, 
born in 98. She's 22 years old. She's super young, but she's got a huge upside. And I think if you're the American national team, you're looking at it going, this is good. This is very good for us. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, I love her, first of all, because, you know, I feel bad that she got caught up in all of that with the Utah Royals. I know, like, yeah. I think for the first or second episodes that I was on with you, we talked about that. Yeah. Um, and I think she's super grateful for having like a fresh start with the OL rain because that was kind of messy. And I think um, you definitely want to get away from that. Like that, that probably wasn't great for her, but you know, I, I love her. I loved what I saw from her in Utah. And like you said, I think she's again, one of those players who is going to be the next generation of us women's national talent. Um, you know, she, she showed that in 2020, like first off, like she, you know, I don't think anyone ever had the Utah Royals on their radar um, mm-hmm. until, you know, she kind of got on the team, which that says a lot for somebody who is that young, right? Yeah. Uh, so, again, um, they haven't played that much in 2020 uh, or 2020. Yeah. I don't even know what year it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, she has, she's been great for them. And I think she brings like a fresh perspective to the team also yeah. is a huge thing um so yeah i uh here's a stat that uh, i think we can both appreciate so when she played with the royals she played in four games didn't start any of them okay for the rain already three games into the season she started two like that to me already says that the rain realized her potential and realized that they need someone that can can go out there whether she hasn't scored yet which is okay but when you're able to start a game, you're able to get the feet, like I've said, wet. You're able to get into the motions. And I think um, when you highlight her, and, and I know she doesn't have a goal or an assist or any sort of cards just yet, but but she's impactful. You don't need to, to do that. Maybe she starts a play and then doesn't end up finishing it, but because there's somebody else that can finish the playoff, but the rain have also not been great. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you trade that off, and I think she's having a better start to her her season now in her seven game career so far. Yeah. And again, like you said, and we talked about before, it's that opportunity. So not being able to start any of those games for the Royals when you're only coming on after 65, 70, 75 minutes, it's a lot harder to make that impact. Um, And especially like kind of knowing it's hard to, I think when it's not like a basketball game where you can take off your entire starting five and then put on a new five. It's like one player is getting subbed onto the field. So as much as a difference you want to make, sometimes it's not entirely possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, even in four games last year, she did have a goal, which I think says a lot considering. There's she didn't people start. Who, yeah, she didn't start. And there's players like Mal Pugh who are, you know, a, a great striker and didn't score at all in 2020. So mm-hmm. the fact that she got a goal after not starting a game and only in four games, that says a lot about her. And again, that's that fresh perspective. I think she realized that on that team, she wasn't going to be a starter and she knew her role. And then she she took her role and she played it well. And the OL range saw that. And they said, okay, like, I, I want that on my team. And I mean, I feel like she would have possibly made a difference for Kansas City on that team. Uh, again, I think their record or doesn't show how much potential they have as an expansion team, expansion, mm-hmm. relocation, whatever. I just call mm-hmm. them all expansion teams because that's a messy, messy. They're new. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're the new, new brand. The new brand, Kansas City. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love... I love her. I think she's super great. And again, um, stats don't say everything. Again, if somebody is just looking at her stats and says she's played 
three games started two and she doesn't have a goal or an assist like what is she doing but I watch mean, the game is what I'll tell you first yeah. <laughs> and like that's I think I kind of was bashing it a bit during the Champions League final but it's like creating chances does mean something it means the potential mm-hmm. is there of course in the Champions League final if you're creating four chances and you have no goals on it and you lose the game that's not great but like you know in general just having that uh opportunity to create chances on especially on a new team like this uh, i think is great for her yeah for sure um let's look just into the early season stats i think one that stood out to me and i'll, I'll read it out to you uh sophia schmidt uh smith sorry for portland thorns she's had 15 shots in total 10 on target and two goals i think that's just ridiculous she's just getting opportunities and and I, I, I every time I, I see a stat where like this person has like 35 million shots and then has one goal for it I was like man you just don't have the luck to to get that ball into the net whether you're, you're just not getting the shot off but um that was something that stood out to me um was there anything in the in the early stats of the season where you're looking at it and you've been quite surprised that let's say the goal scorers who's leading it or the the leading assists getter um, anything, anything sort of like out there that we need to keep an eye out for if that person continues their hot streak or are we going to see a change and it's going to kind of shift back and forth? Well, it's funny you say that. Cause when I was like in my head talking about young players, like Sophia Smith was like at the forefront of my mind. <laughs> like, that's why I was talking about, like, I didn't mention her when I was talking about like Crystal Dunn and um, yeah. Christine Sinclair cause I wanted to bring her up later. Yeah. Sophia Smith for sure has been like such a treat to be watching um, she's amazing. She, um, and it's hard, I think, when you're a young player to come into the league and try and make your impact on a team with players like Christine Sinclair, yeah. Crystal Dunn. Like the the Thorns out of the top twelve scorers in the league have four of them. Like they are they are a good team. Yes, um, yeah. So for her to be able to do that, I love her. Um, I think she's great. I love watching her. She was literally the person I was going to bring up, so I'm glad you did. Yeah, she's everywhere. She's ridiculously everywhere. She's won all her aerial duels. Um, she has a 57% passing rate. Well, you're a striker, so you're back to the to the yeah. net. But she's made like just her pass direction. She's she's constantly going forward or going to the left. Like she's finding the right players at the right time. It's just like I'm not a huge stats guy, but I, I blame this on Nick because he's actually gotten me to look more into the stats section. But like the fact that she's she's 20 and she's coming into the league and dominating and getting her shots away um they'll go in and i'm sure she'll come up with 10 goals by the end of the season but the fact that you have you know like you said christine sinclair on this team and still getting the opportunities and the looks that you're getting i think the thorns are in a very good spot oh absolutely i and that's the thing it's like i hate to sound cliche but it's true it's like you you're you're gonna miss shots but you're gonna miss more if you don't take them so it's good to see her come into this league and not be afraid to do that because I think, you know, if you are playing on a team with Christine Sinclair, you might be afraid, but it's like, you literally have as many goals as Christine Sinclair now. So like, and like, Sophia Smith is small. Obviously soccer isn't a sport where you need to be super tall, but like, she's only five, four. She's pretty tiny. Um, And she's like you said, she's gritty. She's not afraid to go in there. She will fight for that ball. And she's not afraid of getting in the box and going head to head against defenders. Um, And I think that's what I really like about her is that just like, you know, she's like a little fireball and I love that. And I think that's what, you know, Portland needed because Portland was a team with a lot of big names. And for a while there, you're kind of like, why, 
why aren't they performing as well as they should be? Mm-hmm. And then we saw this year in the Challenge Cup, we're like, okay, yeah, that's the Portland we know and love. Where have you yes. been? Yes. So yeah, she she was actually one I was going to mention because I I think she's incredible. I love her play. Even if she didn't have two goals, she's not afraid to take those chances. She's not afraid to shoot it on the net. And again, they've only played you know four games, yeah. very tiny sample size. So to already have two goals in four games, yes, they were in the same game, but still, like you know, you still scored. Team, and you beat a Chicago team who, again, yes, they don't have Juilliards, but they still have a lot of other players who are not Juilliards. And you yeah. beat them five nothing. Like you weren't yeah. afraid to go in there. And say, hey, I don't care if you are a U.S. women's national team player. I'm going (laughs) to go in there. I'm going to be on a national team very soon, just letting you know. Yeah. Um, The great thing about her as well is she doesn't go into tackles unnecessarily. And that's something we see in a lot of strikers that need to do a little bit more to get back into the play. And so they'll, they'll give away a foul or they'll concede a foul. But she's not you know, going in with the wrong foot. And that's, and that's a good thing because you want her to stay. She started three games this season and she's been subbed off in three games. So she's getting the starts because she's deserving the starts. So I think that's, that's, that's a huge point. Um, Is there another player here? um, Maybe aside from the obvious and Alex Martin, who's just tearing it up, but anyone else that we, we need to quickly uh, uh, highlight and say that we'll keep an eye out for them. Uh, I think Trinity Rodman, actually, I really like what I've been seeing. Again, the Spirit um, are doing really well this year, and I like what I've been seeing from them in general. Um, but Trinity Rodman, for sure, and obviously her coming into this season, you know, big thing. Oh, it's Dennis Rodman's daughter, and like, I feel like I feel I feel bad, honestly, for any player who like does have that kind of connection because they're never gonna, you know, get that recognition for themselves. But she has, uh, she has an assist in four games. Um, and she, again, is a player who's not afraid to take those shots in their loss against Louisville. She took seven shots in that game, which is, you know, a lot. And of course, only two were on goal, but still that's the, the thing about soccer is that like there's half your shots aren't going to be on goal just because of the way that they're going to deflect or the angle you're trying to take them at. Um, but I, I like what I've seen from her again, she kind of had a chip on her shoulder because it's like, she got drafted really high. She got drafted to Washington. It's like, okay what name are you going to make for yourself yeah. or do you have this recognition because of who your family is or because mm-hmm. you deserve it and i think absolutely she's deserved it um and i love that from her so again the goals will come like you've only played she literally like you know is four games into her entire career like she'll be yeah. okay um but i for sure love what i've seen from her we we talked about a few um short players she is not short at all she's a solid 510 she's a striker that can win her aerial battle she's she's at a 68 percent passing completion she's able to spread the play out um I, I think that doesn't get spoken enough with strikers being able to distribute the ball and being able to receive it and i think she's a, a solid target for for the spirit side um i was just you know the fact that she's played and started three out of the four games I mean, that's huge for a young player. And we keep highlighting young players. And I think that's the trend the NWSL is moving towards. And even soccer in general is I think we're seeing that slow shift, that slow transition into younger players coming in and being so good and so talented um, that I just hope this league continues to develop and maybe makes its way up north and we have a Canadian team because I think um, I think we would we could get Canadian stars just to want to play for their home country or play in Canada and be close to family. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
I completely agree with you. And I agree with, I'm glad that a lot of these young stars are getting their time because I think that's hard in a lot of women's leagues in general, because there's like we said, a lot of, or a lack of, sorry, um, space for them to play. So if, you know, if the stars are constantly getting their playing time and yes, of course they've earned it and they deserve it, but it's like, again, you might never get a chance if you don't start a game to be able to get your impact and then you get released. And then you're kind of stuck in this cycle sometimes of not being able to make the league because you, you had a chance and then quote unquote blew it, which, you know, is unfair. Uh, so I would love, I love seeing a, so many young players starting and coaches seeing that a lot of these players who are currently greats are going to retire soon. They're getting up there. They're starting families. Like literally how many, like Alex Morgan just had a baby, Ashlyn Harris and Allie Krieger adopted a kid. Sydney LaRue has two kids. Like, you know, these people eventually are going to retire and start their families. Whereas these young 20 year olds, you know, they're just starting their careers. So being able to see them get into the league, get the playing time, be able to show like, Hey, there's a lot of young talent who deserves to be in this league. And I agree. There's so like Diana Mouston tweeted the other day about how like, five things she wants to happen like number one was like a canadian nwsl expansion yeah. and then number two, number two was like a domestic league in canada but obviously the nwsl kind of has the monopoly as being like the big league so to be able to get a toronto expansion would be amazing i know people would support it like especially if you kind of have the partnerships that some teams do like the pride in orlando city mm-hmm. or like the Dash and the dynamo to have like toronto fc and then a toronto women's team like that yeah. would be incredible for the sport and i think obviously i hate to like say Toronto for everything because I feel like Toronto gets all the teams you know we have the only basketball team we have the only baseball Mm. but I mean Toronto FC has been out of the Canadian teams the most successful for one and second of all they are a sports city you know like MLSC is well it's a massive population as well so I mean if you're worried about viewership you're going to get it in 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 high populous cities such as Vancouver Montreal Toronto exactly so So, Maybe going down. I think it'd be cool. I think it'd be nice to to kind of see that. Maybe a team up in Vancouver. Maybe you know you see uh, Christine Sinclair decide to just go up a little bit um, into the north and, and go play closer to home. And I mean she's already pretty close to home to begin with. But um, it'd be nice to have Canadian talent just get the opportunity to play at home and not have to go off to different places. And and I know you mentioned moms on this, so another shout out to moms and the fact that these athletes are parents. Um, raising kids, doing well for their careers. A shout out to Rachel Malhado, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, who is expecting her second baby, but is also playing professional soccer um, and eventually will be one of the best female heads in the game. So um, big shout out to her. Yeah, no, moms are incredible. Moms are superheroes. I love them. I love, I think that's what I love about women's sports the most too, is that like they literally have their kids on the sidelines and like you see them celebrating with their kids, like, being a mom is 24 seven, even in a 90 minute game, like their kids are there. They have to watch them. They have to make sure somebody's watching them. Yeah, um, That's their main job. Like soccer is a secondary job to being a mom. So I absolutely love that for them. That's, I, I love the league so much, but yeah, I think, I think a Canadian expansion would do so well. And the players want that. Like you touched on a lot of them feel like, okay, yes, you're, you're playing soccer as your full-time job. It's amazing. You're living the dream, but like you are far from home sometimes and you're in the middle of nowhere. Whereas other people, they have a bit more of a luxury that they're closer to home, especially in the pandemic too, where like a lot of people might be able to go see their families on weekends or whatever time, like they have off. Whereas Canadians, it's like, you can't go home because you would have to quarantine for two weeks and (laughs) stay in a quarantine hotel. Like a lot of it's been really tough for them. So to be able to have even just that sense of like home, like I know there's people who literally 
live in Toronto and they're not from Toronto, but like that's the teams they cheer for and it feels like home to them or like mm-hmm. players who they didn't necessarily grow up in Toronto, but if they play there, that's like home. So I for sure would love to see it. And just the game is growing. Like obviously, yes, the US Women's National Team is always the team to beat, but like Canada's up there and Canada's talent just keeps growing. It's not the days anymore of where you literally could name like three players and you're like, uh yeah, Christine Sinclair, Kaylin Kyle, uh, that's about it. That's all I Carol Long, and that's about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Like now it's like, oh, I can literally name like 10 players right now. It's funny because when you were talking about so- Sophia Smith, I always get Sophia Smith and Sophie Schmidt. That's kind of where I was at. Yep. <laughs> you didn't go on a full on tangent like I did. So you're safe. But that, like, I think too, because it's like Sophie Schmidt is a name I know because she's an amazing player for Houston who plays for Canada. And it's like back mm-hmm. in the day, you didn't really have that. Like, I think even still to this day, it's unfortunate that a lot of people think like Christine Sinclair is the only name in Canadian women's soccer because I'm like you are missing out on so much she's the greatest Canadian athlete in soccer of all time yes of course course she is but she's not but there's other names now exactly exactly and with that positive Canadian note we're gonna wrap up the starting 11 which is brought to us by Shenzi Shack don't forget to give the Shack and Chef Sab a follow on Instagram as we bring you cuisines from around the world They deliver and are available for pickup in the Vancouver area. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk some Arsenal. Good day, everybody. This is Ryan from 20 Minutes on Ice. Join me and my co-host Nick McVicker for opinions and analysis on the week that was in the hockey world. New episodes available every Tuesday, wherever you download your favorite podcasts from. 20 Minutes on Ice, part of the Garage Door Sports Network. Hey guys, it's producer Jake here from Betting House, the Garage Door Sports Network's ultimate degenerate gambling podcast. Catch our episodes weekly on Apple, Spotify, and Google as we bring you banter, laughter, and of course picks for all sorts of games throughout the week. Give us a follow on our socials at BettingHousePod where you can catch all our bets each week as well as some bonus content. Remember to always gamble responsibly. Let's get rich. What up, guys? It's your host, Nick McVicker. And if you are looking for a weekly sports podcast to fill your sports needs, you've come to the right place. Garage Door Sports, hosted by myself, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji, brings you all the up-to-date news, notes, and opinions on everything in the sporting world. If you like good conversation, good friends, and a lot of jokes being thrown around, you've come to the right place. Don't forget to check us out on all your favorite streaming sites, and we will make sure we bring you content every Saturday right here on Garage Door Sports. So Arsenal released a couple of players. One in particular, I think we can finally say with a sigh of relief that it's time to move on from this player and not because he's sort of underwhelmed in an Arsenal uniform, and that is David Luiz. Out of 10, how excited are you about that one? <laughs> 700 out of 10. I'm oh, so wow. happy about it. And I know we've talked, and yes, he was a leader on the team. He, you know, he was a leader in the locker room. And when he was on, he was a good player. But he just, for somebody who has such a history of success, you know, with Chelsea, he was so underwhelming. He made so many mistakes first of all and you you can't be make first of all when you're getting that much money you can't be making those mistakes second of all you know you you're a defender you are literally the last line before anyone else is going to get to your goalie so having to you know 
when you're missing those passes, when you're literally making own goals, like that's just unacceptable. And we, I think we saw too much of that from him. And I mean, Arsenal's backline in general is a mess and I could mm. go on about it forever. And obviously it sucks that Kieran Tierney was hurt a lot of the year. And I think he would have made a bigger impact. And he does make it. He's one of those players I was talking about before who defenders who like create chances and score goals. That's him. He's literally the, you know, prototype of a defender who can do everything. But yeah, he just, he made way too many mistakes. And like the fact that even after the 2020 season, when he kind of was showing those signs of slowing and a lot of mistakes, he got an extension and then that was just a whole. Another thing. story, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. He was, he was really underwhelming for like how, how well he should have done. And it, it seems like almost a pattern of players from Chelsea <laughs> and then just severely underwhelming i'm like is this an inside job like is this is somebody putting them up but the weird part is it's arsenal players go to chelsea and they succeed i i know Giroud just got an extension yeah well ashley cole comes to mind as one of the best players to go between the london cities and he was so good for chelsea but he's good for arsenal too but he came out and said i didn't like arsenal you're like (laughs) but why so like is it that arsenal's a downgrade or is this the fact that maybe stop buying chelsea players I think, I think stop buying Chelsea players. I think it's a bit of both for sure. They <laughs> stop buying Chelsea players. Um, Arsenal in general, just I feel like they buy the most random players to begin with. Like, mm. and I I know it's because they know that they're unfortunately they know that nowadays they're not a club who can be in the running for those big names, uh, which is unfortunate. And Stan Kroenke wouldn't spend. The well, money they could money. if they decide to throw money at these players, but they refuse. Stan Kroenke won't spend the money anyway. Yeah. Um, so they know that with their budget, they're never going to be able to attain those players. But they sign the most brand like. They literally signed, and I know we'll get into Odegaard, but, like, they literally signed, like, five midfielders last year. And it's like, okay, yes, like, with the formation that Arsenal plays, you need more midfielders. I get it. Yeah. But, also, like, you have a terrible backline and you need to fix it. Why are you signing William, Thomas Party, Martin Odegaard? Like, please sign, like, a center back. That's all we're asking for. Well, they did with Gabriel. And they expected Holden to be healthy, and that didn't happen. Um, but Gabriel was okay. But, like, again, like, you look at that Arsenal backline, and, and with Arteta liking to play from the back, they didn't bring a ball-moving defender. I mean, David Luiz was supposed to be that, but I don't think David Luiz is a defender anymore. No, and that's – I know you had discussed it before. You think if he, maybe if he moved into the midfield, he would have produced a bit more. Yeah. But he just – yeah, he was very terrible. He made – a lot, of, a lot of missed tackles, um, a lot of terrible decisions, like just really bad passes in front of the net yeah. that resulted in a lot of errors. And for somebody that is that seasoned, you can't be doing that. Like, you know, you're yeah. going to expect that from maybe an academy player. Well, this is his first season playing in the Premier League. And I mean, still, you can't, ex- it's the Premier League. It's like the best league in the world. You still can't be making those mistakes. But for somebody of his caliber to be making those mistakes, absolutely. Like it was his time to go. And it's unfortunate. You never want to like leave things where you are hating on a player. You think mm-hmm. they're terrible. But the unfortunate reality is he was extremely underwhelming. And I'm very glad he's leaving. How much of the onus is on Mikel Arteta, though, to put David Luiz in situations or in a formation or a strategy that just wasn't the strength of David Luiz? Like, I mean, like, instead of saying to him, well, to the team, like, this is what I have, this is how I have to play, he wants to put a stamp on his style of game, which is great, especially when you're a young manager and trying to get into the game. But when you don't have the players to execute that or you didn't buy the right players come the offseason, what? Why not just try and adapt to to David Luiz's strength, which is going forward and not coming to receive all the way back? For example, you know what I mean, or getting him with a partner that can run better. 
you know, but the, he didn't, he didn't compensate any of that and kind of focused and put all that focus into the midfield. And they're like, okay, but your midfield keeps getting beat because they're not fast enough. Yeah. So at what point do you, do you try and fix something? But they have, in my opinion, I think Arsenal have a lot to fix. Um, as do a lot of the other clubs that are sitting in the area that they have. But I think with Arsenal being a constant top four side, not being a top four side this year, there's stuff to fix. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you. And I mean, you saw near the end of the year that, you know, Arteta was kind of panicking. You're, you know, you're looking at the starting 11 and it's like, why is Granit Xhaka playing left back? Like what is going on here? Like this is literally. But that was better than, better than having someone else play on that left side. And with Kieran Tierney, okay. Kieran Tierney question. Is he the next Arsenal captain? I would want to say yes. I feel like he needs a bit more time at the club just because a lot of people don't, I don't think a lot of people are believing in him yet just because of how much he's been injured. Um, I obviously am a huge believer. You know, you have other people being like, well, you know, look at Chelsea, they've got Alonso. He'll never be that. But it's like, okay, it's hard to compare that, especially with all the talent Chelsea has. Carantina is better than Alonso. I said the same thing, but you know. Wait, who told you, who told you that the opposite? A Chelsea fan, of course. Oh, okay. None of their players are bad now that they've won the Champions League. You know, they all hate on Timo Werner when he can't score. But now that the Champions League champions, they're like, yes, four more years. Like, yeah. Um, I know Tierney is so much better than Alonso. But again, like he doesn't really have much around him. And again, he's a player who can go up and move forward and create those chances and score goals. Um, And I think, first of all, he is first team all shirt tuck, uh, wearing them in his shorts. He, He is the most phenomenally put together player in the league with his little tucked in shirt. Um, but yeah, I would like to see him as a captain. I mean, you look, he was the youngest captain of Celtic and he made his impact there. He literally only signed with Celtic in 2015, which is crazy that he's only been playing for, you know, like bigger squads for six years, moving from Celtic to Arsenal. Obviously Scotland is a really good team this year in the Euro and he's part of that. Um, I would love to see him. And it's hard because it's like, you know, who, who else do you have on the team? Okay, yes, you have Obama. Yeah, and yes, you have Lacazette. We don't know their futures. We don't know, you know, what's going to happen. But then, which is unfortunate, because I, I actually am pretty big on Laka. Like, I think he did, under the circumstances, I think he did pretty well this year. Um, and for him to potentially be sold, it's like, okay, you already have not a lot of depth at the striker position. You only, you play with one, and then you have five yeah. behind so to only have one and to him to like, you know, come in clutch a lot of the time, there's, there's a lot of draws or one, nothing wins that he was the goal, you know? Yeah. Course, again, it's like, yes, other people around him were setting up those chances and it sucks getting rid of Odegaard because as much as he was injured, we did see a lot of potential from him. Um, but as we discussed before, Real Madrid is also going through rebuild and obviously wanting him back, seeing his potential. Well, they want two guys back in Danny Ceballos and Martin Odegaard who will play under Carla Ancelotti for sure. For sure. And I think Ceballos was, had potential, but just wasn't really fitting into the Arsenal system, which is unfortunate. Um, but, you know, again, Arsenal was a team who, like you said, needs a lot of problems fixed. Yep. So, and I, I did see some of them being fixed, of course, getting rid of uh, like players like Mustafi, who were absolutely contributing nothing, um, was a good a step in the right direction. And it sucks to lose players who you think were progressing, but also in the same breath, you know, Arsenal just kind of needs to burn the whole thing down and start from the beginning. Um, and so if they're going to get time playing in Real Madrid when they weren't at Arsenal, um, that's great. And they're going to progress because they weren't under Arsenal, which is the sad reality. And it's for both of them. Like as an Arsenal fan, obviously I want to be like, 
you know, oh, they sucked anyways, we'll get rid of them. But, like, that's not the truth at all, especially Odegaard. Like, he was, you know, in the, the small time we did have him that he did play, he did play really, really well. Yeah. And he would have made a difference in the midfield, and obviously Arteta likes to play midfield heavy. Um, so that was great for his system. It's just the reality. Um, whereas Ceballos, I think a lot of people, you know, discredited him. But, again, he just didn't really fit into the system well, and I think also didn't get a lot of the opportunity he for shared. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm happy for them that they're going to go to a team where they're going to fit into the system well. I mean, Odegaard, I think, could have fit into any system well, but they're going to fit into the system well, and they're going to get a lot of playing time, and they're going to progress. Whereas with Arsenal, now you go look at it, and it's like, okay, you know, you have some midfield options um, that you've spent millions of dollars on, so they should be playing better. You know, the Thomas Party signing, I think I see potential in him, but also I think it was, like, super overhyped, and I want to see more from him. I think backline is, like, your first problem. I think you keep yeah. Lacazette and don't sell him because he, again, like I said, he's coming clutch a lot and doesn't get as much credit as he should. I would love to see them keep Lacazette and then fix the backline. And then after that, move to the midfield. Um, but, yeah, I can agree with you that I think players like Louise potentially could have had more chances for success, potentially moving to a different position. But also, Arsenal was in the space where they were so terrible at the back line that like they didn't really have an option also it's like who else are you going to put there if you're not putting Louise and of course yes there was injuries having holding back there potentially could have been better having Tierney back there a whole season potentially could have been better but with what they had they unfortunately had to put him back there and he just didn't perform and as a veteran player I can see yes he would fit better in the midfield but also you have to perform where you are so that is my take. If you're a by trade defender, then yes, you should be a better defender. So yeah. basically Arsenal's biggest need is to stack a little bit more into that defensive unit and, and figure out what to do there because offensively, I think they're gifted. They have the goal scorers, um, but we'll see what Mikel Arteta does. How long, last question, make it quick. How long um, does Mikel Arteta stay as coach of Arsenal? I think if he doesn't find if he doesn't finish better than he did this year, obviously not making Europa was huge, um, and a lot of people look down on him. But also, a lot of people are still giving him uh, the credit of being left with Unai Emery's mess. Uh, so, <laughs> well, Unai Emery just won the Europa League. I, know, I don't know what I, mess you're talking about. That's, that's what that was. For. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. <laughs> the, but uh, <laughs> I think I think if he doesn't perform well this year, then he is gone, which is unfortunate because I like Arteta. And I think that, you know, he sees potential in the yeah. squad also. Um, but because he is so offensive heavy, he hasn't addressed a lot of that backline concern. But again, that's also an ownership problem. Like if Stan yeah. Kroenke is going to put in the money to buy a defender, Arteta has to work with what he's got. Um, but yeah, I think he gets one more season. And if they don't finish like seventh or better, then he's gone. So what, like a full season or is it going to be a Frank Lampard? Hey, we see you halfway through the season. This just isn't working. Oh, I would love to say like halfway through the season, but again, like Kronk is such like a hands-off owner. He's so boring. He probably wouldn't care. He would just ride out the season and be like, okay, we're just not going to move forward with another contract. I would love yeah. to see them like make a statement and say, you know what? This isn't working. You're fired. We're changing this. We're buying this person, whatever. But that's just not how Arsenal works, which is sad because like you said, they are a team that for 25 years finished in the top four. And even that wasn't good enough. Like Wenger, I, I miss him all the time. I think he was done really dirty. Um, yeah. Obviously, obviously, he's getting older, and, like, that, yeah. he probably would have been retiring soon anyways, but just, like, I think, you know, people forcing him to step down and then realizing, okay, it's A, it's not the coaching, it's the ownership, and B, he wasn't a terrible coach after all. I could go on about that forever, but, yeah. yeah. I think well, we'll I, bring you on. We'll bring you on for that one next time, I think. Let's quickly 
switch gears over to the women's side because I think there's one big storyline coming out of the the women's team, and that is Viv potentially potentially leaving Arsenal. Um, massive underline on potential because I don't know if it'll happen, and if it does, then how much of a loss is it for the women's team to lose arguably one of the best strikers in the world? Oh my God, that would literally be huge. Like you think Arsenal was, you know, in the top of the table all year and that was because of Vibs. Like, I think there is a lot of talent on the women's squad. Yes, they have Kim Little, they have Jen Beattie, um, they have Caitlin Ford. They lost Jill Roard, which is another loss. Um, they they do have talent, but she, like, she's irreplaceable. They're, you literally cannot replace her. Even having somebody who, you know, maybe averages a goal every three games, that's not enough. Viv literally averages like a goal a game. And there's games where she's scoring like three, four, five a game. She makes it look so easy. She can literally put it in the net from any part of the box. Three defenders in front of her, doesn't matter. She'll find a way to put it in. Like she's just, she's literally irreplaceable. And if anything, you should be building your roster around her. Like you should be doing whatever you want in your power to keep her. And like I said to you before, you know, Arsenal doesn't have that pull the way other clubs do, the way that Manchester City does, the way a Chelsea does. You know, people want to go play for Emma Hayes. And now Arsenal's coach, I can never say his last name right, Joe M. I can never say his last name correctly. But um, Joe is leaving. So they're they're under new coaching now as well, which is a huge thing. And people, I think, sometimes are like hesitant to want to go to play for a new coach because they don't know how they work in their system. Um, but yeah, losing Viv would literally be losing everything. Like she's just, she's quite literally irreplaceable. And again, they need to build around her because she wants to win. Clearly she is a competitor. She is one of the best strikers in the world and she, she's going to want to win. So if Arsenal can't provide that for her, she's obviously going to go. Somebody's going to pay for her. Who wouldn't pay for Viv? She's Viv. Like, I think any club would, if they could jump on this, I, I would throw money at, okay, maybe not money, but I would throw some sort of approach at her i mean if you if you go into fb reference stats you just look at everything's in green maybe aside from her 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 ability to maybe win aerial challenges because that's not her style of game or pressuring in certain aspects but god like she's in the green for everything it's ridiculous how good she is and like 22 games 18 goals yeah i mean you're looking at if you if you did a full 38 game season she's probably close to 30 32 goals in a year like that's how good she is and and when you look at 30 32 goals in a season that's Ronaldo Kylian Mbappe Lewandowski sort of numbers so that's how good this player is I hope Arsenal builds around her but if not there's one club that I see going in and taking her especially with their striker being injured for the last three years and that's Lyon and I don't know if she wants to go to a club that finishes second this year they finished third I get it but finished second and wasn't great this season. So I don't know how that transition is going to play out, but if, if she needs a new home, I think Leon would be the best place to start. Um, but first let's figure out their coach. Uh, Casey Stoney, former Arsenal player, come back and coach Arsenal. That I would love to see that. I think, you know, I think sometimes we get a little lost in like saying like, Oh, former players just get coaching gigs because they are former players and have the name. But like, I think especially in the women's game, there's an aspect to it that she would understand playing for that club, understanding what it, you know, how the Arsenal system works. I would love to see that. I would absolutely love it. I think Arsenal should have finished higher this season, um, but they had a few. First of all, like obviously injury is always going to like bite every single team. There's no team 
ever that's going to be like 100% healthy. Um, But, you know, there's just, there's just some games that they lost that they really shouldn't have considering again, when you have a player like Viv, if you basically get the ball at her feet, she'll score it, but it's getting her those opportunities. Um, Sometimes the, you know, you look at the starting 11 and you're like, why is this player playing here? Or why is this person doing that? And Mm -hmm. I think that was a lot of the challenge with Arsenal this season, um, Arsenal women, um, was that there was some times players who weren't starting, who possibly should have been. Um, I think there was, and of course, when you have a good relationship with your coach, sometimes there's loyalty to a fault. Um, But there was a lot of players, I think, who deserved more of a chance. And so having a fresh start, A, B, knowing that you have Viv Miedema and like building around her, I think I would be, I would love to see Casey as their head coach. Like with with her knowing those two things, because I know she knows them, going in and realizing, okay, you know, we got to get the ball to Viv, which like, you know, sounds bad on a team when there's 11 players on the field, they should all be like, you know, Mm -hmm. celebrated equally, but like Viv is Viv, you know, you know that you got to get the ball at her feet. Um, and also realizing that you have the talent to be able to finish first and finishing third is just like unacceptable when you have the talent that you have. Yeah. I would love to see it. I really would. And I'm obviously all here. Like I said, I love Emma Hayes. I'm all here for female head coaches. So, yeah. I mean, Casey Stoney, who, if you look at her track record, she's brought and united into this. Like she's like her track record speaks for herself, not only as a former player, but the fact that she succeeded in the women's game as a head coach. I think if she comes in, you might be able to convince Viv to stay. Not that Viv wants to leave or anything. I think she loves being an Arsenal player, but if that by chance happens, you have a coach there that goes, hey, I know this league. I know what it takes. And the funny part is you look at the the table from this past season. Um, the fact that City and Chelsea only had one loss this season, that says a lot to you. That you need to have a near perfect season to win. And and I think that's just a competition now. There's like five to six to seven really good teams. Eight, I'll toss in Tottenham into this as well. There's eight very good teams in this division that are good enough to go on hot streaks. Um and, and you wouldn't be able to say this, well, four losses isn't bad. Well, apparently, <laughs> if you lose one, you have a chance of being one or two in the league. And it's just that one one point that really separates you two. So um if they stick around, bring in another player. And they brought in a, a player from West Ham, which I think will help um, this team further. And um, we'll, we'll see what happens with this Arsenal team. I think they have enough to, to compete. But for some reason, this Chelsea and City squad just seems to be a step ahead of a lot of teams. Um, but I think a new head coach in Casey Stoney, and I'm vouching for this, and I hope so, and I'm pushing for it. But, I mean, who am I <laughs> to, to make a decision for Arsenal? But um, it would it would keep uh, keep it for sure. I agree with you one hundred percent. I think I think with Joe leaving, they are looking for to make that next step because obviously third isn't bad, but it's not no. enough. It's not enough in the league, um, and they know that and they want to make that next step. So I agree with you. I think bringing in somebody who knows the league, knows Arsenal, knows women's soccer would just be like the perfect trifecta yeah. for a new head coach. Listen, they're going to be in the in the Champions League qualification rounds. I think that would be great. And the fact that Lyon's also dropped into that, we could see an Arsenal-Lyon qualification round matchup, which will be scary, but a uh, potential to happen. I'd love to see it. Um, any final thoughts on both your Arsenal squads before we, we wrap this up? Um, I mean, the Arsenal women's squad makes cheering for Arsenal in general worth it. <laughs> the men's side if I only cheered for the men's side I would have jumped ship a long long time ago 
Um, again, like I said, both teams, I mean, the Arsenal women's squad, I don't think needs a rebuild. I think they just need like a slight revamping. The men's side needs a rebuild. They need to literally, except for Tierney, literally like change the entire back line. I know Chambers has some potential, but like, and he's still young, but like literally burn it all down, get a whole new back line, maybe give Laka somebody else to like pick up the slack so that he's not doing everything. Um, and I, I do think if Arteta doesn't perform well, he might get the midseason sack. Like, honestly, now thinking about it, like, because that's, you know, there's no loyalty in this business. So I not I, anymore, no. Especially considering, you know, he's a team who he's a team. He's a coach of a team who at one point were in 15th, made it back up, and then we're kind of sliding around 8, 9, 10. Um, if, you know, I think that showed potential that he – is a he should have never been a 15th in the first place but um also i think coaches take a lot more slack considering they're not on the fields yes they decide who's on the field but like they're not on the field um and players need to pick it up a little bit sometimes but he showed that potential so now if you're not finishing seventh sixth um i'm hoping they, they need to spend money in the offseason to be able to do that but if he if he doesn't you know finish sixth seventh doesn't stay around there because you'll you'll never have man city chelsea like tottenham money i mean kane's leaving so we'll see what's happening with tottenham <laughs> um, you'll never have that man city money so you're never going to be that good and like unfortunately arsenal has to accept that um but being 10th just isn't good enough so you have to do better and i think arteta will unfortunately see his demise if he doesn't figure that out yeah but i think he has a bit of a leash bit of a longer leash than most coaches do so keep an eye out on arsenal um and with that we will wrap up the show be sure to subscribe to the podcast oh wait i have one final thought and i think i texted you this i just remembered king bettner retired at yes. 33 um that that is what i will say for arsenal that you lost the king <laughs> yeah, pretty much <laughs> Um, but there you go. We're going to wrap it up. We're going to end the show. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Give us a like or leave a rating. You can also follow us on Twitter at touchline th. You can follow Haley at Goldie on sports. You can follow page at Culver underscore page myself at Irfan Manji. Don't forget to follow our network at garage door sport or check out garage sports.com and follow our segment sponsor Shenzi Shack on Instagram to place an order or see their menu. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next match day. Cheers.